Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Dr. Melissa Riley. And here's a bit about Dr. Melissa. She's a clinical psychologist, parent coach, and a mom without a mom. Although grief has been a part of Melissa's life from the age of four, she was shocked to find that a resurgence of grief would be a part of her birth experience. Through her personal and professional life, Dr. Melissa has come to recognize that moms without a mom experience grief during the years postpartum and beyond. Even if they don't realize it, she she is passionate about helping moms without a mom heal through grief, build community, feel joy in motherhood, and move from feelings of isolation insecurity, and overwhelm to a place of confidence and resilience. And today, we're going to unpack what does it feel like to be a mom without a mom and interweave all the important intricates of it. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Melissa Riley to GEMS Podcast. Well, thank you so much, Genesis. I really appreciate you having me as a guest on your show. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. My pleasure, Melissa. And before we dive in, I definitely want to do our icebreaker segment. So I want you to share a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Okay, so a fun and interesting fact about myself is I am a Walt Disney World fanatic. And have gone um, more times than I can count, uh, both with my family and by myself. <laughs> I have to say, I love going by myself. I love my family being there too, but being an adult by yourself there is, is a whole lot of fun. And um, an interesting piece to it, I am such a kid when I'm there, I like to dress up in all kinds of um, princess outfits. So I have, I get a new one each time I go. So I have this outfit for like, um, for Mrs. Incredible, for Belle, for Sleeping Beauty, for Elsa, and Minnie Mouse. So it's lots of fun. That is awesome. You would definitely get along well with my former accounting professor who we still hang out time to time, even though I graduated and I am not an accounting major. That's a fun fact for me. Um, She literally goes to Disney multiple times throughout the year. And I was like, Professor Claxton, the amount of times you go to Disney, you might as well be a season ticket holder. I had a I had an annual ticket for one year a couple years ago. It was marvelous. Do you ever um, think about getting another one? Um, yeah, I, I will. I mean, that one year was was crazy because we live in Pennsylvania, so oh. it, it's not a hop, skip, and a jump. But yeah, eventually, definitely not. So I'll say a crazy. Um, fact that my husband and I did going to Disney so it was our first time at Disney never been when I was a kid and it's only because my mom was like oh 
well, how many times can you tell people that you've been to the Caribbean versus Disney World? And I said, well, mom, I feel like we only go because you're Caribbean. So anywho, um, my husband and I went as big adults and we were supposed to spend the whole day at Disney, but we got in a fight over this timeshare that I made my husband buy that he wanted to get out of. So we were trying to undo the process. So we literally did three parks in half a day and we drove from park to park. And then while he was driving, I was doing the fast pass. And for any Disney fanatics out there, you know, that is ludicrous to do three parks in half a day. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. So you have to get back there so you can actually enjoy it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So now that we have some ice, um, the icebreaker out the way and we kind of connected on the Disney level, let's um, talk about what does it mean to be a mom without a mom? Because some people may hear that and say, oh, well, did she not have a mother figure or what happened to her mom? Or was her mom just absent from her life? She has a mom, but her mom just said, oh, let me exit stage right, because there's all types of different scenarios. And I definitely don't want the listeners or the viewers to make any assumptions. Yes, and um, absolutely. So there are three types of moms without a mom, as I define it. So first is those mothers that are separated from their own mom by death, um, by emotional estrangement, or by physical distance. So in my circumstance, I was separated from my mother, actually by all three of those circumstances. So um, I was very close to my mom for most of my life uh, and then went to college and moved away and did not live in the same state as my mother um, past the age of uh, 21. So for the next four years, we lived in different states and, and it was just the circumstances of it. And then we had a falling out, unfortunately, um, eight months prior to her death. So we had an estrangement and then she passed. Uh, I was at 25 when that happened. So there are some things that women who are moms without a mom, um, regardless of which category they're in, um, have in common. So first, when we become mothers, you know, there is a natural uh, longing to have a, a mom in our life, even if that mom wasn't the mom we had hoped they would be, right? So regardless of what your relationship was, it's natural to, to have an expectation or a desire to, to have that um, mom in your life. So women that um, don't have a mom go through a grief experience um, over the loss of not having what they had thought that they would have or wanted. The second characteristic that is common amongst the three is this difficulty with identity development. So who are we as moms? We learn that as we become a mom. Um, and this will be one of the things you discover, Genesis, is we all have in our head the kind of mom we think we're going to be, right? <laughs> and then we become a mom. And sometimes part of that's true, right? And other times it's not. But our sense of becoming a mom and who we are as a mom is impacted and influenced by how we were mothered. And so it doesn't define who we are as mom, but there's an impact. And when we don't have our mother in our life, for whichever reason, that can make that identity process 
more challenging. And then the third um, common feature is the difficulty in uh, having a community. So many of us look to our mothers as a go-to person, particularly during pregnancy and, and um, postpartum. And when you're a mom without a mom, you don't have that go-to person. And many individuals feel a sense of isolation, um, insecurity, and oftentimes will describe um, this feeling of shame over, over not having what they think, um, not being all together in a way that they see other moms be. And, and there's a real heaviness to, to not having a mom in their life. And, and so those are, are, are three things that kind of link those three different categories uh, together. And thank you for sharing those three different categories because each one of those categories has their own characteristics whenever you think about it from the loss of a mother due to death, um, due to estrangement. And the, la the last category that you um, mentioned, um, can you say that again? Dr. Yes, physical, yep, it's physical distance. So, so those are our moms who don't live close to their mom. And so there's this barrier uh, to that connection. So for example, if you are a military mom, you know, mm -hmm. or international schools, or just simply living, uh, you know, in a different part of the state or, or country, you, you don't Ooh, have easy like access. <laughs> Uh, you don't have that easy access to a, to a mom. Um, although having, you know, digital connection is wonderful. But it's not the same as, as having her right there. Absolutely. And for the physical distance piece, I've um, seen some women who, women and their mothers who live in the same city, maybe they're 30 minutes away and they just don't even interact with each other. So what part of the category would that fall in? Would that be estrangement in a sense or would it really be physical distance? Well, it, it depends on their circumstances. Okay. So if they're not communicating or connecting because there is an emotional conflict or there's a toxic uh, nature to the relationship that uh, that um, creates that barrier, then that would be more of the emotional estrangement. And for some women, they've had to make the very difficult um, yet conscious choice to disconnect from a relationship that they found to be abusive or unhealthy. And even though it's a choice that they're making because of their own health, it still creates this, this feeling of grief and isolation um, that oftentimes isn't recognized. Uh, because again, it was a choice that they made. Now, if they aren't communicating um, because it, it's just difficult and, and they just don't have an opportunity, then that would be more of a distance. Okay, perfect. Thank you for clarifying that, Melissa. And when you think about um, the situation that happened with your mother and you think about the grief part after she passed and then you think about what led up to the separation, not just the distance, but the emotional estrangement. Do you think there was anything that you could have done to go back and reconcile the relationship? And do you feel like not reconciling the relationship hit you harder when you were going through the grief process? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think my mother and I were just at this point in our lives where we were, well, I was trying to figure out who I was separate from her. You know, as a young adult who chose a different path, um, 
well, I wouldn't say a different path. I mean, you know, my mom was a very bright, ambitious, um, professional woman, um, and always, you know, promoted that uh, in me. Um, I just had a different focus in, in certain ways, and we just clashed, and like I said, had a falling out. I am absolutely confident that if she had lived longer, we would have worked it out. You know, um, the the two weeks prior to her death, we had um, we had two very brief conversations, and they were really the only times we had talked in the eight months. And so I I had this sense of of hope that things were were going to get better. And then she she died suddenly. So. Um, and yes, that um, estrangement definitely complicated my grief process um, and made it, you know, a, a difficult process to begin with, but um, definitely added to it. But I, you know, I've, I've spent, I had spent a lot of time kind of working on my emotional reactions to that relationship and how it ended. Um, and since it had been 15 years wow. prior to my son's birth, I really thought I had worked through it. Like everything was fine. Right. Which is, you know, I chuckle now because it's just silly. We, we grieve forever. It never ends. It just, you know, plays a different role in our life, depending on what we're going through. And so then when my, my, when I became pregnant um, and then had multiple losses and then his, the pregnancy with him was very difficult. I was really struck by that longing that I had and that missing um, that I experienced for, from my, my mom, you know, um, and you know, a lot of those feelings of not being good enough or, um, you know, fear of not, you know, measuring up kept coming back, you know, during those early years. Um, and, and, and really kind of consistent with some of the, the older grief patterns I had experienced. And thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad that you were able to work through it after the fact, like you realize that, okay, there's something that I need to get over, but it's going to take time because grief for everyone looks totally different, whether mm -hmm. it's the grief of a loved one, um, a friend, a pet, relationships, even jobs. Um, yeah. And there's so many in intricacies whenever you are going through the grieving process and versus internalizing everything. Sometimes you have to get to a point where you share what you're going through with a trusted source or a paid professional to kind of just help you navigate some things that you can't see because maybe you have the blinders all on and you need to take them off in order to have that clarity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point about grief being over many different things, I think that's really important to recognize because again, it can be the loss of a relationship, even when that person is still alive. Right. Um, and you know, we often don't recognize that, that that is a significant grief process. And when we've experienced multiple griefs in our life, right, it can churn up and stir up those those previous experiences, which is very common. Yes, I call them uh, the hidden triggers because you didn't know that that trigger was there and that something happens and you're like, you have that knee-jerk reaction, especially um, 
it it's kind of sounds a little crazy, but I'll share it. Um, so I was in our laundry room at home and my father passed in November of 2020. And I went into the laundry room, I think it was either to put something in the dryer or take something out. I can't remember. And it literally smelled like my dad had mm. just been in the laundry room. And so I told my mom, who's here at um, home with my husband and I, I said, mom, mom, it really smells like, like dad was here. And my mom kind of just made a chuckle and she's like, oh, well, he probably just came by to let you know that he's watching over you or Aww. he's near. And I was like, you know, because sometimes it kind of sounds a little crazy to tell people stuff like that because they're like, what are you smoking on or something? <laughs> but uh, I, I think having those connections uh, is so powerful, you know, and is so comforting and supportive. And so that's awesome that you were open to that experience. It was a little scary at first, but then sure. I op- I opened up and I think that gave me comfort in the moment because whenever I went to my friend's wedding and I saw her dancing with her dad like I almost had to get up and excuse myself because my art my eyes started to swell with water and it felt like it was triggering me since it hasn't been two complete years since my dad passed and yes I'm happy for my friend that she got married but it's like certain things are very triggering and just like going to funerals because I've been to um multiple funerals back to back now within a year and a half from losing my dad, my corporate job from oil and gas, and then both of my grandmothers. And then um, my best friend's dad, who was just like another father father figure um, to me. And it was kind of hard. And I, after that, I said, no, I just cannot stomach another funeral. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, going, that's one of the things as being a mom, right? And, and you're around and you're seeing you know, other, you know, moms with their children, you know, toddlers and babies and older kids with their grandmothers, right? So you have the three generations together. And that is something that if you don't have that, you know, again, it's, it's happy to see that in others, but it can create that, that sense of, of sadness. Again, that, that longing of wanting to have something that you don't and that you can't have, right? And, and that comes a part of the parenting process that, like I said, it, it kind of startled me. I didn't expect to feel that. And you know, it, it takes some time to be able to recognize that that's what I'm feeling and that it's okay and normal, right? And so then how do I redirect my attention and energy to be back on where I want it to be so that I don't get too derailed by you know, the, dis- the discomfort that I'm feeling in that moment. Absolutely. And when you think about your um, profession as a clinical psychologist, and you think about some of the moms that come to you that don't have mothers, what are some of the recurring themes that you find with, um, with those women, with, of course, without saying anything proprietary? Sure, of course. Right, right, of course. No, I, the big things, right, that, that I hear so often is like I mentioned that sense of, of shame over not feeling like they're have it all together, right? There's the sense of, wait a minute, why can't I be able to just do everything, you know, um, without recognizing that they're trying to do everything 
without the support of somebody that provides a lot for us, right? And, and so you know, we need to build that community. We need to find additional go-to people in our life. Um, so, you know, I usually encourage people to find more than just one person because our mom typically fulfills more than one role in our life. So I usually say, you know, find a wise woman. So somebody that you can ask the questions to, you know, when, when you're not sure about things, um, find a, a, um, go-getter. So the, so the person that does things and gets things done. So when you're overwhelmed with the laundry or you, you just can't get to the grocery store, this person will be there in a minute and just get it done for you. And then, you know, the emotional support. So the person you can just kind of talk about your feelings and emotions with, and those individuals aren't necessarily the same person. So recognizing the strengths that your friends have and being able to call on them um, becomes really important. Oh, and the fourth person, because I usually encourage four people, is the late night talker. So, so this is the person that, you know, for whatever reason is up, um, that you can just call at any hour. Hmm, I like that. The wise woman, the go-getter, the, um, oh, shoot, I'm just Emotion. thinking the emotional, emotional support, support and then the late night talker. So yes. those, if you want to have like a, you know, a coffee or a happy yeah. hour or whatever the case may be, just to kind of talk mm. through some of the things that are going on in your head that obviously you can't talk about with a spouse because they may not understand it because they're not a woman or right. whatever the case may be. Right. Right. And then sometimes it's a, it's about the stresses of, you know, parenting differences. Right. And, and so sometimes we just need somebody outside of our, you know, partner relationship. Yes, exactly. And I like how you put partner relationship because I want to make sure I address um, the entire audience community here. And one thing that I did for my husband and myself is we watched this show on Netflix called working moms. So (laughs) he could kind of see what it's like to be a mom who has a career, but then also juggling. And it is so realistic, like the, the mothers, what they go through and et cetera, because sometimes I feel like people expect mothers to be super humans and super moms, not knowing that they have emotional um, stuff that they're dealing with physical stuff because becoming a mom your entire body changes mm-hmm. um you may have some spiritual stuff that's going on depending like if you're questioning okay do I believe in the universe do I believe in God do I believe in someone else or um just other components because we're very multifaceted and I like to say we're like noodles I heard the analogy women are like noodles and men are like uh, waffles because they like to compartmentalize and I think whenever you're a mom without a mom you need you just need those four people that you mentioned to talk to because if you're going through all those changes and they're happening fast or unexpected because no one really prepares you for motherhood no one tells you what you should look out for because it's different for every mother right and my my mom community included professionals so I because of my um, dramatic pregnancy I was out of work for most of it and therefore 
my maternity leave was not nearly as long as I wanted it to be because I had to kind of take it before he was born. <laughs> so I went back to work and he was still an infant and his early childhood learning center became a huge resource for me, you know, as part of my mom community. And, you know, I had a beloved aunt and I still have, she's still, she's still alive. She's more like a sister to me than anything um, was, you know, another go-to person. So, so it can be family, it can be friends, but it can also be professionals. Um, and, and I encourage moms, you know, if they need to, to think outside of the box when, when identifying those people in their life. Thank you for sharing that, Melissa. And let's talk about like, as we begin to wind down, let's talk about the comparison, because I see a lot of mothers trying to compare themselves to somebody else that's a mother, especially whenever their children are achieving certain things like, oh, Billy just got potty trained, and maybe your child's not potty trained, or um, they're able to lose the baby weight a lot faster than somebody else, or they're able to really, you know, juggle between being a mom and going back to work, whereas the other mother may stay at home. I think the art of comparison, whenever you are a mother without a mom, or just that mother figure can definitely play into psychological aspects. But from your professional standpoint, what are your thoughts regarding that? Well, I encourage all moms to feel good about who they are as a mom. We're all doing the best that we can with what we have at the time. And when we look at those around us, we are looking at them from our own vantage point. We don't see them, you know, for their, from their vantage point. So things will always look a certain way based on our own history. Um, and so those comparisons typically aren't very helpful or useful, right? And so, you know, feel good about who you are. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're needing assistance, be unapologetic about it. You know, we are not biologically designed to care for our family without assistance. We just aren't. So it's an impossible inappropriate expectation and society does not do a great job of of pointing that out but we aren't built to be in these little isolated units you know the phrase it takes a village is is true it really does Thank you for sharing that. And um, Dr. Melissa, as we wind down, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment. Okay, I would love to connect with your listeners. And I actually have two free guides that I would love to offer them. So the one is for those moms that um, have a little baby. And uh, so this will be you soon, but it's a um, self um, it's a guide called uh, Caring for Yourself While Caring for Your Baby. And it is six strategies to help moms engage in self-care that do not require them to step away from their baby. So this is really helpful for those moms without a mom because many of us aren't able to get alone time or downtime that's separate from our child. But this is good for all moms um, because sometimes, again, there is no such thing as, as me time you know, when our babies are young. So, um, so that, um, you know, I have that guide. And then the other guide that I have is for moms of children of all ages, and it's called the enjoy being a mom again, quick guide. And that's 
for those moms that are struggling with you know, those feelings of longing or missing or memories that are, are getting in the way of them being present, you know, in the moment and enjoying the motherhood process. So it, it, it gives a, a, you know, pretty easy five-step process of, you know, re-engaging with the, the current moment. So I would love to get those to your listeners. And um, so I'm sure, you know, we can link those, but they can also follow me on Instagram at moms without a mom. And my website is um, momswithoutamom.com. So, you know, um, feel free to reach out, connect with me. I'd love to, to uh, you know, help your listeners um, build their own mom community. Thank you so much, Dr. Melissa Riley, for just coming here and just sharing your um, thoughts around a mom without a mom, as well as sharing your personal story and how you're helping other mothers find their pathway. And for you listeners and viewers, all of Dr. Melissa's contact information will be in the show notes. So you could connect with her further. And also don't forget to subscribe and share this segment. We are on 40 plus platforms and also follow us over on YouTube for all things video content by um, going to Jeff with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And then for those of you interested in continuing to fuel the mission of GEMS podcast, which is to educate, inspire, and motivate while we connect the dots and bridge the gap for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. You can find out more by going to Genesis Amaris Kemp to become a brand spokesperson sponsor or an ambassador because without you we wouldn't be ranked in the top three percent globally per www.listennotes.com and until next time peace love and lots of blessings remember even though you may be a mom without a mom it does not mean you don't have a rightful place in this universe. You are here to help somebody else and be the best mother that you can possibly be. There's no right or wrong reason, but there are always lessons to be learned. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.